Welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm Joe Salter, your podcast host and founder of Where Does It Come From, a social enterprise focusing on kind clothes that tell tales. In this podcast, I chat with amazing people who've dedicated themselves to making our world a better place through business, social enterprise, campaigning and much more. This time, please join me as I catch up with Mike Keane, a passionate adventure chef and intrepid explorer on his daring expedition kayaking 3,000 kilometres through Greenland's treacherous waters. Discover how Mike's unique mission shines a spotlight on climate change and unravels the hidden mysteries of microplastics and gut health. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Where Does It Come From podcast. This episode, we're actually on the road, or I should say technically on the sea, because we're talking with Mike Keane, who is in the middle of an intrepid adventure canoeing around Greenland. But I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm going to let Mike tell you about it. So welcome, Mike. Thank you. Glad to be on your lovely podcast. The pleasure to have you. Tell us all about yourself and what on earth made you canoe around Greenland? Right. I am, as you say, Mike Keane. I'm from Suffolk, uh, over in England. Um, What a lovely place it is. And I started kayaking a 3,000 kilometre solo trip from Kakortok, right in the south of Greenland, to Karnak in the north about i think 39 40 days ago now so over a month i've been on yeah been on the um on the water and um it's been eventful to say the least so far so i'm doing it for about two or three reasons really it's, it's the overall thing is for climate change greenland's obviously the poster boy of um, climate change at the moment with the retreating glaciers ice cap and you can really see why because it's it, it's so starkly different to, to how it has been in the previous years and ev- everything here is so extreme that there's there's a big difference between yeah yeah like i say between what's happened before and what's happening now and it, it really is affecting people um pollution as well is, is is a big thing so there's two kind of actual scientific kind of aspects to the um trip as well firstly i'm collecting um sea mammal poo and there's a lot of poo involved in this trip um, sea mammal poo for three different scientific organizations. I'm trying to go for 10 or 12 different samples spread up the whole coast and they will be checked, uh, for microplastic pollution. Mm-hmm. So I'm going for seal, walrus or polar bear poo. And because they give you a whole range of the, of the ocean from the, from the top to the bottom. So that's pretty important to see where, yeah, see where the, the danger areas are. Uh, for, for the plastic pollution but also and the one that kind of ticks my box as a chef is i'm only eating a greenlandic diet so only food that can be foraged or hunted in greenland like, and traditionally as well like ancestral or not you know l- lamb was introduced here about 100 years ago uh, but i'm not eating lamb just sticking to you know lamb mammals would be uh, muskox and reindeer and sea mammals loads of them from you know whale to porpoise to seal to fish as well loads of different fish so so the variety is is, is amazing but i said before that, that the stark reality of having to live out here mm-hmm. is just something else when you yeah if you read it or look at it on the telly you go oh, okay that's so that's pretty cool I, I could probably do it but you get out here and it's oh my word just it's bitingly cold freezing and the last thing you want to do is muck about with food mm-hmm. yeah purely a functional thing yeah, there's nothing pretty about it at all. You just gotta get it, 
and 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 cook it as quickly as you can using as least as little energy as you can uh, and get it down you and then hide away in your tent <laughs> but it's back it's back to basics i mean literally isn't it because you're you're looking at food as a nutrition to feed your engine to keep yeah it, absolutely not about yeah. anything else yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've evolved with the foods that have grown up in our environment. So Greenlanders with the Greenlandic food, English with whatever, you know, is within, I don't know, 10 mile radius of, of what we are for, for two or 300,000 years. And it's only in the last less than 100 years, a couple of generations, that we've totally flipped that on its head. And, and we're now flying stuff all over the world, using fossil fuels to get it there, stuff that is out of season. And it's it's not necessary. Yeah, 99.9% of it is not necessary. It's not like yeah, everyone's going to die if we can't get strawberries in the middle of yeah, middle of winter in England. And yeah, and, and because it's become such a a money a money based global food system and everything revolves around the bottom line we're just damaging our health and the environment as we're doing it it's it's crazy but it, it took me quite a few years as a chef to kind of start looking into that and the commonsensicalness of it of like yeah guys it makes total sense that we've evolved with the food for two hundred thousand years and we've totally changed that and pumping chemicals in it antibiotics fertilizers in the grounds it's all going into the water system and and then lo and behold you know diseases cancers obesity diabetes allergies autoimmune systems are shot um and and it's 100 percent down to the food we're eating um so i'm doing do, doing the, the, the food side of this is um sending samples of my own poo back to nuke uh, and that goes to various other uh, microbiologists and they uh, will be analyzing the bacteria in it measuring it up against the food that i'm eating seeing how it affects you know, the bacteria and the, my gut microbiome back from when I was eating the, my kind of traditional English diet um, as well. So it's going to be really interesting just to see how how that lot has affected my gut. I'm, I'm taking tests for like mental well-being and acuity and and just general uh, how I'm feeling. And before I left for, for, uh, for Greenland, the last day, I went to St. Thomas um, with uh, Tim Spector. And he and his team did a whole bunch of tests on me. So weight, blood, urine stool. They did a DEXA scan, which measures bone density, fat to muscle ratio. Yeah, loads of stuff. So it's going to, that's going to be pretty interesting as well. So I know I've already lost about 12 kilo. Wow. Um, yeah, within the first four weeks of the diet, I'd lost, uh, yeah, I'd lost that much, um, which is great. But it was kind of worrying, thinking, oh, okay, that must be my body using up all my all my fat reserves yeah. um, because I'm just eating this yeah, pretty much 100% protein and fat diet. So I haven't had fiber, I've, I've, yeah, well, virtually no fiber. I've had no fruit, no vegetables. It's all meat of which almost 50% of it is fat. Mm. So seal is, is, is the big one out here. And I'm eating great chunks of seal fat, which is that, luckily is really nice. <laughs> It's like a really nice um, speck or lardo. It, it's got a really low melting point. So it just, you pop it in your mouth and it just melts really, really quickly. Which might be a bit too much detail, but it's, yeah, it's it, it is really good. You're also really hungry, aren't you? So when you're hungry, it's amazing how much food tastes better when you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a really interesting journey, actually. Because, um, yeah, going back to the poo thing, I, I was regularly twice a day or something like that and, and and when i went on the diet the first couple of weeks were a nightmare 
but yeah, I felt fine. But the uh, my toilet wouldn't agree with me. <laughs> yeah. then, um... Any change is good. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested in all of that. You know, I never don't want to get obsessive about poo. But what yeah. I'm what I work on is obviously sustainable fabrics and fibres, and we're very much about trying to encourage people to connect with things a bit more from cradle to grave you know so the whole yeah. life cycles of things so when you're buying a t-shirt say you think about you don't just think is this a nice color you sort of think who farmed this cotton how did they farm it what pesticides went on it you know yeah. how were they treated yeah. all of that kind of stuff and it's trying to get people to think and it, it is going back in time it's heritage thinking isn't it it's about yeah. what is the what is the impact of my diet what is the impact of putting plastics in the planet that's going to to go widely into seals polar bears and walruses poo you know it's it's, yeah. it's trying to get people to think and we've been so encouraged to think about things on the surface level and not ask the questions about impacts and so i think what you're doing is a fantastic it's scientific on so many levels because it's looking at the impacts on you and your health and your poo and also the impacts on the planet of what we as humanity have been doing to the planet so it sounds amazing yeah it yeah, it, it it really is. And yeah, I'm no scientist by any stretch. But um yeah, being a chef and having kind of gone through my career always looking at the the, the kind of environmental health concerns and is it in temperature, has it got a proper label on it? You know, if it's a day past itself, you've got to throw it away. And you start thinking, hang on we haven't we lived like this for you know, hardly any of our evolution as we've progressed. And why are, we, why are we suddenly doing it now? You know, I, I remember back in Suffolk, I, I was trying to get um, approval from the EHO to, to make salami. And I couldn't do it. They wouldn't let me do it because it didn't tick the right boxes. So hang on, we've been curing curing meat for centuries, for millennia, and, and, and we're not allowed to do it now? It's, it goes totally against nature. It, 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 it's bonkers. And we've grown up, you know, we've evolved with all, the, all these bacteria. And then again, in the last couple of generations, we're kill, you know, kill all the bacteria. Bacteria is terrible, but it's not. It's, it, that, that's who we are. Yeah. And, and we're all with that. And, and you know, humans evolve so slowly. There's no way we can we can evolve to keep up with all the crap that we're putting in, in our bodies. And we're learning um, now. We're, 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 we're yeah. seeing, the, seeing yeah. the effects. Of, I mean, it's like as a mum, you know, we're always told, let your kids play in the dirt, you know, let them eat dirt. It's good for them rather than yeah. keeping everything sterile and clean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it is, it is really fascinating, and and that yeah, and and the the knock on from the food system is the health system. Yeah, every country is in a health crisis because of all these problems, yeah. and 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 every country pretty much looks at it same as same as we do in England. Um, you go to the doctor or hospital when there's a problem, which is too late. You know, it's we should be addressing it with the kids and and educating kids, uh, well, and and grown ups. As we go about, is it natural? Yeah, do, do we need to fly stuff from all the way from Mexico to, yeah, to Madrid and then on to London and then to its all various other food hubs to eat? Or should we be concentrating on the local stuff? And it, it is really difficult. I'm, I'm not saying I don't use plastic or, uh, you know, I wouldn't eat a lemon again or anything like that because because that's not the modern world and it's really difficult to do that. Um, but there is a, definitely a middle ground and a good yeah. compromise to be had. Yeah, yeah by, by looking is it organic where is it produced and it's so difficult yeah something you might think would be ticks all the boxes and it's fantastic and you look into it and you realize that they've you've just cleared you know 100,000 acres to, to, to grow it or you know to grow, grow the palm oil or to grow the food that feeds the animal for that it's just oh 
but it's the it, waste, it, it, it's the waste it's as well. Is that if, what frustrates me is that it's the huge amounts of waste because the economic model that we have is all about production, production, consumption, consumption. If a person wants it, they should be able to get it and they should be able to get it as cheaply as possible. But actually, yeah. it ends up with too much being produced and then loads being wasted. We don't seem to have this thing of when is enough? When do we have enough? Or saying to people, you can't have that. It's too hard. You just can't have it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the example I always do is, is apples in in, in that supermarket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go in there, and England's got you know everywhere you look, there's there's, there's orchards, mm-hmm. and and you go in there, and there's like twelve, fifteen different types of apple. But if you look closely, there's maybe one or two from England, yeah. and there's loads from like New Zealand or, or South South Africa. It's like, come on, mm-hmm. don't tell us it's the consumer who want that. No, it's not. It's it's just it's the bottom line, and 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 that that is that is the excuse we continue giving. Oh, the consumer wants it, so they they they've got to have it. We haven't had it for hundreds of thousands of years. We're not all going to go rioting because we can't get a blooming a sweeter apple. Just, no, just apples, maybe, but not apples. Toilet paper, maybe, <laughs> but not apples. No, it's the same with clothing. Um, a couple of my friends dragged me into some horrible fast fashion outlets. I won't name any names. The other week, just because they wanted me to see how the other half live. And I, one of them, I was like, oh, they've actually got some linen here. This is quite interesting. Um, you know, I'll have a look at that. And I was feeling a little bit, like, fairly positive. And I looked at the label. It was made in Thailand. And I thought, what the? You know, yeah. we, we grow linen in Europe, in Ireland, in England. Why on earth are we importing it from Thailand? Well, we know why, don't we? Because it's cheap. Yeah. It's yeah. But yes, so it sounds amazing. So anybody watching this on the video, which is going is on YouTube, will can see Mike's background, and you can see snow on the ground, and you can see beautiful houses and the beautiful sky there. Um, how cold actually is it, Mike? It's about minus two at the moment, right? Um, which is which is okay. And yeah, whether it's climate change or not, it's been a, a an amazingly unseasonable. Um, unseasonable year so far everyone's saying they can't believe it's still it's still so cold the weather has been atrocious the whole way up so far you know i've been stuck in a tent for three days um uh, as of yesterday with a howling gale and it 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 lifted the kayak up and chucked it through the tent and the tent got all smashed up it was miserable (laughs) it really was so i needed to buy a new tent Um, yes I was seeing some of your videos last week that um, you were staying on remote islands where people now didn't live and there were schools and churches and things that had basically just been abandoned. Why would that be? Um, A lot of it. Well, there's many reasons. Sometimes it's the because fish is such a big industry here. If if the, the fish move or they dry up in a particular fjord, then that totally straight away wipes out a settlement it's incredible um but also uh the danish being the kind of colonizing power which is another whole issue um uh had a policy to move people into the bigger settlements so it wasn't a it, you know so it wasn't so spread out and that that is a big reason for it as well that, that, that there's a coal mine settlement up in disco bay that the coal dried up or they decided not to to um, mine the coal anymore so that that dried up so there are a whole bunch of different reasons mm. uh mostly economic yeah. again down, down to the old money front yeah. they look stunningly beautiful where you are so tell us a little bit about your journey so far then so you've been going for what was it 40 something days what yeah. have you been doing in that time well m- most of it has been camping uh i i try and uh, I, i'm trying to average 30 kilometers a day in the kayak mm. which is about depending on the winds, 
and the weather can be anywhere between four hours and nine hours. <laughs> so it's a huge, huge variable there. So probably eight times out of 10, I've been camping. And then the, the rest of the time has either been in an abandoned settlement or in a settlement like this. The, the Greenlanders, there's only 57,000 people in the country. The, the whole of Greenland population could fit in Wembley. It's it's amazing. <laughs> and the, the the distance I'm kayaking is from London to Algiers. Wow. So it's, it's bigger than Europe. Um, and there's so few people, but they've been unbelievably welcoming. I, I've been on uh, Greenland National Telly uh, but three or four times now. And Facebook is a yeah, Facebook and the other socials uh, are massive, um, yeah, are massively used here. Yeah, mainly because everything's so spread out and, and they've got great uh, Wi-Fi or um, connection in each settlement. So it's, it's a really important tool of communication for them. And, they, um, and they've been spreading about. So, and, and on my website, you can see a live tracker so you know where I am. Mm. So a lot of people have been looking at that. And then, yeah, when I get to the quayside in a lot of settlements, there can be anywhere between like 20 and 100 people there just waiting for me to appear around the corner oh that's so nice that's lovely well i, I was actually going to say if anybody um if anybody wants to follow mike go to the website what it's mike keen cooks isn't it mike keen and then the mike keen cooks on instagram aren't you Keen cooks on instagram twitter and youtube yeah but, uh, I'll, put the link, I'll put the links on the blurb with the podcast so people can see where you are on any given day no it's absolutely amazing so it's a very scientific trip um, so you've got your, your animal poo testing for microplastics. Which so which organisations are, are involved in that from the scientific side? British Antarctic Survey uh, are the main one in Cambridge, and there's three others. All have got like big long acronyms which I can't remember. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, no, I'm just I'm, I'm putting all using the data. Well. I'm really eager to find out what the results are because when I give a lot of presentations, which tend to be about microplastics from clothing with the examples that i give for where microplastics have been found are like bottom of the mariana trench um top of mount everest so it'd be quite interesting to say in walrus poo and polar bear poo in that as well yeah yeah and they're, they're finding it now in fresh snow on the ice cap um and it's and one of the things they're looking at actually is is to see if the concentration of microplastic increases the closer i get to glaciers that spit into the sea um, just to see if there's if there's a there's a larger amount uh, proportionally coming in via the air on top of the ice cap and going out for the glacial melt. Um, so that'd be quite interesting as well. So hopefully we'll get enough data to, okay. to look. And what have you yeah. seen in terms of plastic waste as you've been canoeing, kayaking, canoeing along? Have you seen plastic in the sea that with your you know, it's visible? Not in the sea. I've seen loads of fishing gear. I haven't seen plastic bottles or shopping bags or anything like that, but fishing gear is is everywhere. There's thousands, of countless islands you you pass, and a lot of them, unfortunately, do have fishing gear. You, you know, it's always kind of brightly coloured, so you, or it's got a buoy attached to it, so you can see. And it's not necessarily lo local fishermen; it's, it it can be stuff that's coming from the big ships, you know, out out in the ocean. Um, but there is a lot. And, and speaking to a lot, and the, 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 the Greenlanders are, are very much aware of climate change and and the environment now as well. Um, a, a lot of that has come from the international attention. But they they do have projects here where they go out, the fishermen go out and, and, and they they pick up fishing waste. And I've spoken to three separate fishermen in different settlements and they're all astounded how much they actually picked up. You know, they thought they'd get it all in the boat, but no, they could they can get in there 
and and you can't do much with it. And there are projects that, that convert it into furniture and 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 building materials. They press it, but again, it's you know it's picked up in Greenland. It's sent to Germany. It's 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 turned and then it's sent back. So that's it's great, but there's obviously yeah big drawbacks in in the processing of it as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, that, and it's so you're just so remote where you are. That's the thing, isn't it? And it's just it's trying to be connected to other things that are going on in the world yeah. and say these projects. But it, but in general, not just Greenland, there is that lack of interconnectedness in general, isn't there? Where you've got things shipping all over the world to change things. Whereas in fact, if we yeah. put our heads together, we could do it much more locally, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like all the yeah. Another one that I try not to be too grinchy about is is like Christmas and. The adverts are absolute garbage on the telly. Stuff that breaks within half an hour and then just gets forgotten about and binned. Yeah. Just don't don't buy it. Just yeah. buy a wooden something that someone locals made from a sustainable wood. Yeah. You know, it will last longer and it's better. It'll make you feel better. But all this stuff that is just, you just see on the kids t- in the kids' TV, it's just oh my god. It just yeah, it gets me quite angry. No, me too. Me too, definitely. And and I'm I come at it from the textiles point of view, and you. Yeah. The impact of the amount of polyester in clothes, you know, the microplastics that's been washed out of them, the fact that they're shoddily made and, you know, that they're not going to last. They're not meant to last for more than one or two wears so that you'll go out and buy some more. And they tell you you'll feel better for buying it and you don't. And it's just it's just a load of nonsense. So I completely agree with you what you're saying, Mike. Um, So going back to the food thing, then, because I'm kind of fascinated. So as a chef, what has been your favorite meal that you've had on your trip so far? Eggs seagull eggs yes although i saw that on instagram so many tiny islands and and you can spot when there's a seagull yeah on the nest because they they they, they don't fly away straight away and and with the kayak and a lot of the islands you can just coast up and then hop out and you get up there and you you can pick up seagull eggs and they're they're big They're, they're almost goose size eggs some of them um and you they're, they're so lovely <laughs> they're really good <laughs> I, i've been boiling them sometimes when i've been in the settlement i boil them if, if if i'm camping i just mash it into a pan cook it scrambled egg style as fast as i can but they're so rich and they're, they're almost orange when, when you make a scrambled egg out of them but that that's really satisfying when you when you're in a kayak and you, you go and get your own egg and then, and then you cook it later it's, it's that's really satisfying um seal fat is surprisingly nice it's best frozen and in the south they do a fermented seal fat which tastes like the strongest cheese you've ever tasted it's like which is kind of wrong when you when you're eating it oh that's interesting but um the fermentation process actually turns something in the fat into vitamin c uh so hence i haven't died of scurvy yet touch wood <laughs> yeah you're looking pretty healthy there which is which is a pretty good thing I'm, I'm amazing um the yeah, some days I've been kayaking for eight to ten hours, and I'm 53. I'm, I'm no spring chicken anymore. Um, but there's no way I could I could have been doing, doing those that kind of endurance on my previous diet. Absolutely no way. I, I'd been yeah five hours maximum. I'd have been absolutely wiped out. But I've been doing it day in day out, and that's not it's not tooting my own horn. It's I think it's it is just down to the diet, and, and I think that's how they survived in this environment. For, for so long for thousands of years and it is miserable when you're here in the and i've got like gps and a sat phone and a, a locator beacon if it all goes wrong got yeah modern clothing probably all made up of plastic um but but how they survived hundreds of years ago is like oh my word like i was in that storm i was thinking that, you know 
uh, yeah, uh, another couple of days and uh, I'd be dead. Mm, yes. Have you have you ever been to Ipswich Museum? I don't know how close you are to Ipswich. Yeah. yeah. I know there's a there was an old um, Inuit canoe there, isn't there? I think when it, and it was all lined with uh, I think it was seal skin or something like that. Someone will correct me now, but I remember being fascinated by that that they would make they would use the local things to make things to assist in their life you know we have all these wonderful gadgets and plastics and things like that because we've evolved it because we need yeah. it i suppose but it is yeah. fascinating when you look back and you see what how people did survive and as you say so lonely and disconnected as well and 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 when it's miserable like that you, you can see how quickly you can die just on a knife edge that, that your, your existence is because yeah storm like that for five days and trying to feed a family that's why they've got so much dried food out here dried mm-hmm. cards yeah, dried seal, whale, everything, just because if it's stormy, there's no way you're getting any any anything fresh. And and going back to the kayaks, that you know, there, there's no trees. There's no, trees don't grow here. There's no iron. They can't make meth. They can't make nails or anything. So all the kayaks are made out of driftwood, or the, the old ones anyway, driftwood that's come across from Labrador and Newfoundland in America. Um, and and the skins are all made. Yes, yeah, seal skin. And it, there's no compartments, and it's not sturdy, like, again, plastic one like I've got. If if you if you get a bit of ice that goes through that, you're dead. You're you, you, there's five, and and I've got a spray deck that stops the water getting in the cockpit. But they used to sew themselves into the kayak, <laughs> so that they literally sew the skin in, so the water doesn't get in. It's like you've got to be a pretty confident kayaker to be able to yeah, do that. Definitely, but then the idea of getting wet and cold was probably just so. Yeah, that that would also be a life changer, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Ninety seconds and you'd be dead. Yeah. yeah you, you, if if not at ninety seconds of hypothermia afterwards, yes. and yeah, if you're a kilometre out from from the coast hunting a narwhal, a narwhal or or seal, there's no there's no way you just you're just going to die. It, it it really is that black and white. There's there's no question about it. And, and to and to, to, to actually have to go out and harpoon a seal from a kayak. I mean, I see seals every day in the kayak, but they're, they're like, there's the boop, boop. They're, yeah. They're, they're there and they're gone. And they're a long way away. You've got to be sneaky to, to get, get up close to a seal and then hit it with a harpoon. And then y- your whole existence relies on it because if you haven't got it, your family are going to die of starvation. Exactly. I was going to ask you actually about animal encounters. So you mentioned the poo that you're collecting from those animals. What what animals have you seen and had encounters with on your uh, trip? Loads of Arctic foxes, uh, seals every day. I've seen quite a few whales now. Um, I think they increase um, as, as we get towards the end of spring and into supposed summer. Um, so I've, I've had a couple of close, close ones with uh, whales that have come up about 20 meters away from the kayak. Uh, you just have to rely that their, their radar or whatever you call it is, um, is, is good enough. They're not going to flip you over. <laughs> what kind of whales are they? Uh, a lot of humpbacks, minke whales, uh, fin whales, orca. Um, the, the, the ones I've all been, okay, my battery's about to die. Oh, okay. Um, well, much sure. I was only going to ask you, um, before your battery runs out, because I, I know that it's probably straining it like crazy doing this call. What do you need from people? Because you're doing this amazing trip for scientific benefit. You told us your tent's been destroyed. What, yeah. how are you paying for it? How are you being sponsored? And what do you need from people? I've, I've had some amazing equipment sponsors. Equipment I've been fine on, but I've had to re- replace pretty much everything. So tent, sleeping bag, 
nearly all my tech gear has broken because of salt damage or water damage because everything gets wet. Um, and food, I, I do have to buy food, although Greenlanders are super generous. Um, so th- there's constant stuff I need to buy. Um, clothing wears out, gets salt damage and, and breaks all the time. Um, and I've, I've paid for it on credit cards at the moment. Um, I, haven't, I haven't had any cash sponsors at all, but people have been fantastic. If you look on fundraiser, com stroke green and kayak it's on it's on my website you can you can buy me a 20 a 20 pounds food voucher or more uh, which is greatly appreciated um that'll keep me going and also uh, i'm doing it for two charities mio which is a kids mental health um, greenlandic charity and client earth which uses uh, the law to um take governments and big corps to um to court when they start mucking about with with the environment which um I had to think long and hard about who to sponsor and, and lawyers weren't the, the immediate first one, but they do a fantastic job. They've, they've taken, they've had some great results just using the law against the government who use it. Yeah. To perpetuate their own, their own greed. We need a lot more of that. I know what they're doing. Yeah. The good law project and people like that are doing some great work holding these yeah. companies and governments to account. It's fantastic. So do you need, um, would, are there, is it businesses you'd like to support you, individuals? Is there a business sponsor that you could get or something like that? My ideal one would be an adventure brand company. Okay. Um, maybe names like someone like Patagonia or that ilk, you know, have got a, a fairly good track record on the environment. And I, I think I tick a lot of boxes on, on, on that. Um, let's look at the Instagram. I'm getting some good coverage. Been on yeah, Greenland Telly, Dan Saladino on the food program, Radio 4 is doing a whole a whole bunch of things about me. Paris Matthews mentioned me the other day and that did a couple of interviews. I was on Sid- Sydney, Australia radio the other day. So I'm getting a lot of exposure. Yeah, and so, the way does it come from podcasts as well, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suffolk, Suffolk home. But yeah, so I think... um if there's any adventure brands out there, or if anyone listening knows someone, and we'll obviously um, link it in with on our social media as well. It would be great to have somebody having Mike sponsored by somebody. That would be fantastic. And what you're doing, such valuable work for um, obviously for finding out about microplastics and diet and all of that. But also you're there and you're seeing what it's like on the ground. And that's fantastic for those adventure companies to be able to feature in their own media, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, the, the all the equipment sponsors have had some great exposure out of it. You know, there's, there's no tougher environment, and, and it's it's that connection with the, the environment and yeah, the, the health system and the global food system, and it's just it just all makes sense in in yeah in in a beautiful way. So come aboard and be uh, be connected to all that. Fantastic. It looks beautiful. I think that's a great place to end it. Come aboard. Look at the beauty where Mike is standing. And this is the world that we want to keep and have to hand on to our next generations. So thank you so much, Mike, for spending time with us on the Where Does It Come From podcast. Um, And I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your journey. And I'm looking forward to keeping up with everything on Instagram. So thank you so much for being part of this. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Where Does It Come From podcast. Please rate us on your platform and follow us so that we can share this podcast with more people. And if you'd like to find out more about the work of Where Does It Come From, please visit our website on wheredoesitcomefrom.co.uk for kind clothes that tell tales.